0: Welcome everybody, it's time again to grab a board, jump into the water, and surf out into that sea of ideas. Let's see if we can catch a sales pipeline curling up over the horizon with our surf master here. The one man that we needed at the recent uh, Russian summit wasn't there for some reason, Matt Hines. I'm trying to understand why. I couldn't make it, couldn't make (laughs) it. I had a little visa issue, and... uh couldn't be there we just trump trump our president said he didn't want anybody in the room but matt matt couldn't make it so we'll never know what happened here
1: you never know i, I someone sent me a meme the other day it was uh i'm sure it was a doctored photo it was uh vladimir putin at the uh, at the at the customs office and the and the officer says destination and he says helsinki and the officer says occupation he says no not this time just visiting <laughs>
0: Occupation? No, I like that. Yeah, a okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, not did not make it to Helsinki this week. I'm uh, enjoying a, a week at home. Uh, we are uh, recording today, Sales Pipe Iron Radio from the world headquarters of Heinz Marketing here in Redmond, Washington, just down the hill from Microsoft. We've had some beautiful weather here in Seattle. The past week or so, it's uh, usually we don't get summer in Seattle until after July 4th, so usually between July 5th and July 10th is when summer rears its head, and it is it is here for sure. So very excited to have you all here at Sales Pipeline Radio. For those of you joining us live, uh, we have an increasing number of people that are doing that. Thank you for joining us on the Funnel Media Radio Network. You can catch us live every Thursday, eleven thirty Pacific, two thirty Eastern. Those of you joining the podcast, thank you for finding us. Thank you for subscribing. We're available at uh, we're available at uh, iTunes Store, the Google Play, and wherever you can find find podcasts. And uh, every episode of, of Heinzmar, or me, every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio is available past, present, and future at salespipelineradio.com. Every week, we are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B two B sales and marketing. Today is no different. I'm very very excited. To have friend uh, and uh, one of the more interesting voices and interest in, I think one of the you know better leaders that I've talked to in B two B marketing, Shandar Patabiram. and Sh- Shandar, you know, we before we can kind of get the correct introduction. I, I've known you for years. You know, we've worked together a number of times. I just call you Shandar. You're kind of like Ichiro. You're kind of like Share. You're kind of like Madonna. Uh, I'm not as worried about the last name, go. although I did, I did have to confirm how to pronounce it. But uh, Shandar, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Matt, great to be with you. And speaking of Helsinki, I don't see any reason you wouldn't have been there. I mean, you would have been there. Yeah, no, it's,
1: um, I mean, I mean, maybe I was there. I mean, maybe this is all just a fa- facade, and I just, you know, we could add some little shroud of intrigue. Uh, Shander, thanks for joining us today. Shander, you, uh, you, uh, great uh, background in marketing, was chief marketing officer at Marketo. Uh, as it went public, he has served still on the board of, of directors and advisors for a number of companies and is currently the chief marketing officer for Coupa Software. And, you know, Shander, we had talked uh, before the show about different topics we could cover, And, you know, we went through a whole laundry list of things that you're passionate about and that you've talked about and you've written about. The one that stood out to me that I want to get started on is what you learned from Led Zeppelin. So, help me understand what Led Zeppelin has taught you about marketing.
2: Great, great, great start. Obviously, as a rock and roll fan, classic rock fan and Led Zeppelin fan, always looking to learn lessons from uh, rock and roll. Uh, But it's interesting that, you know, as I've looked at marketing over the years, the led zeppelin analogy here is what is the stairway to heaven when it comes to customers and tries to drive a superior customer experience and the lesson for led zeppelin the stairway to heaven in b2b marketing if you define all the different stages of it is you go from awareness and the next step is acquisition the next step is adoption the next step is cross-sell and then finally sitting on top is advocacy And you want to be successful ultimately in each of these steps in the stairway to ultimately reach the customer heaven, where in B2B today, the two metrics that really matter is number one, are your customers becoming passionate advocates of your brand? And number two, are they staying with you longer and increasing lifetime value? So that's kind of where the stairway is, and a lot of times in B2B, what happens is even today that our spend in B2B happens to be in the first two or three steps of the stairway, uh, which we're really spending on awareness and 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 about acquisition marketing, and there's been less focus on adoption marketing, cross-sell marketing, and advocacy marketing, and that's a shift we need to do to kind of you know balance the spend in such a way that we are hitting every step in the stairway to ultimately get some customer heaven in in this
1: so i like the analogy i like the idea of this the stairway i like the idea of going to a place that all that sounds favorable to many of us i think curious i mean and maybe this is where i'm taking the analogy too far but you know stairways tend to be sort of you know i mean they're bi-directional but you you think about where a lot of marketers invest so much time and effort in getting the deal and getting acquisition and you look at where budgets and resources are placed focus on acquisition and not really focused as much on lifetime value and the full customer life cycle. How, talk about how that's been important to you at your num- at your roles and what you're doing now at Coupa, and how do you balance acquisition and retention and full lifetime value uh, in addition to just acquisition?
2: It's a great question. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the channel historically, there was a study from, I think, Deloitte and uh, I think the CMO club a couple of years ago where they said that more than 85% of spend today in B2B happens to be in acquisition marketing, right? So you got to balance the both there in terms of spend. And for me, it comes to both in people dollars and program dollars and how we kind of normalize the spend across the life cycle, right? So historically, we spend marketing teams on, like, demand generation teams as well as product marketing teams, Uh, and then the dollars that we do predominantly on this acquisition and awareness marketing, even on the brand marketing side. So some of the things that I have started to incorporate, even at Marketo and here, at Koopa is let's be programmatic about first spending dollars on adoption marketing, both people and program dollars. In other words, there's no reason for people to buy more from you if they haven't adopted the first set of capabilities that they've consumed from you. So really educate the customers on all the capabilities that they've got and what they can actually use it for to drive most value. And then also spend dollars on cross-sell. What's the right time to cross-sell, to do cross-sell marketing to customers at the right stage of the journey? Uh, because invariably, you can't just cross-sell something six months or 12 months as a timeline without knowing what they're actually using and, and doing that right. And then finally, where it's really important is on the advocacy piece. And, and advocacy, historically, we have spent money on owned channels. Like, you know, we create these customer videos and customers telling stories on your website, etc. But advocacy is becoming so much important on earned channels as much as owned channels because we live in this what I call the peer bond world, you know, where we're more and more existing customers are influencing prospects and in their buying decisions in B2B as much as B2C. And a lot of times, these, cups, these prospects don't want to go hear the feedback only from your own channels because, you know, every mom thinks their baby is good-looking, right? So it's more on these earned channels, whether that's G2 Crowd, Trust Radius, Gartner Insights, etc., and getting more people dollars and program dollars into that to ultimately normalize your spend across each stage of the lifecycle map.
1: Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Shandar. Don't worry about his last name, Paul. He's the, Ronald, he's the Ronaldo of B2B marketing. Excited to have him here. He's the chief marketing officer of Coupa Software. I just made that up. If You, you can pick another one name, Shandar. If you want to pick another analogy that you prefer. Bono, I just Ronaldo's figured.
2: good. Bono's good. Londres, Bono.
1: The well, Bono. Fun. We got Ronaldo. What we got uh, Ichiro kind of up here in Seattle. It, you, you, you take your pick. It's, it's fine. Hey, uh, it's, I love the way you're thinking about sort of customer lifetime value and sort of thinking about a holistic way of thinking about the customer. You know, we talked also a little bit about the increasing focus in marketing on science and the increased focus on metrics and things you can measure. But I know for you, 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 you have uh, some interesting thoughts around the impact of science, but also the science of storytelling. Talk a little bit of what that means for you and how that's impacted the way you've built marketing.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think you know, uh, obviously, in the last you know ten years, marketing has shifted from the soft science to programmatic science, and you know, companies like Marketo were at the helm of this on helping marketers get that seat at the table, and and really you know get that go from that Ron, the Rodney Dangerfield effect to more of the Aretha Franklin R E S P C T, and do it data do it via data and proving the impact of marketing. Right, so that kind of scientific aspects of marketing is obviously getting better and obviously there's, you know, stuff to improve, but I think we've come away. We've come uh, a decent way in that kind of progress there but but still you know if you can't take a step back all marketing at the end of the day is, is it's about building emotional correct connections right ultimately as any brand whether you're b2b or b2c you ultimately want to build that emotional connection with the buyer and the battle happens in the mind of the buyer the battle doesn't happen in any physical manifestation you know we buy volvo because they own the attribute safety in our minds v by bmw because they own the attribute ultimate driving machine or you know i fly version atlantic because they own the attribute superior customer service in my mind so it is that battle through storytelling on how do you win the battle for the mind And from my perspective, it is difficult to do for B2B brands relative to B2C because, you know, B2C brands can, you know, fulfill our human needs and wants. ERP and network routers are not needs and wants that we wake up in the morning thinking about. But we have to make our brand story about building that emotional connection as much as we want to make it a science and drive revenue. The, the, the brand building starting at the top has to be this concept of building emotional connections in a way in telling stories that are relevant that are engaging and authentic in, in such a way that you're able to own a single attribute in a buyer's mind uh, so that's kind of the philosophy that i've taken in storytelling and and really start with what 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 matters to them and and, and you know talk less about you know the, the talk less about the candle talk more about the light and the value and what's interesting and relevant to them
1: I love that analogy. Uh, we got just a couple more minutes before we got to take a quick commercial break. A quick follow up on that, I think I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, and I think that you know building that, building trust, building credibility uh, early in the relationship, you know whether or not someone's ready to engage with you or not. I think part, one of the challenges we have in B2B is that you know we don't have uh transactional sales we've got long complex buying journeys and so measuring and valuing some of that trust building can be a challenge when you get that question from a board or get that question from a ceo and again we got to take a break here in 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 a couple minutes but uh how, how do you respond to that how do you how do you help prioritize and budget for something that is important but harder to measure
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, ultimately, this this is not causality, this is correlation. And you have to have some sort of correlated metrics in terms of spending on brand and how does that brand awareness ultimately driving more revenue for me. So that could be in aspects of more visits to your website, in terms of more impressions for your brand. And and what I've also done is, you know, done some brand studies where you establish a baseline uh, and saying how much is your aided and unaided awareness for the brand and then subsequently do that annual study to measure to see how it's moving the needle north in terms of all your brand spent. So ultimately, what gets measured gets the money. And even in brand marketing, I know it's more difficult to measure that compared to some of the revenue marketing aspects, such as pipeline impact and bookings impact and stuff like that. But we have to have some sort of like correlated metrics um, that can ultimately make answer to the CEO and why did I spend $1.8 million or whatever on this particular campaign.
1: We've got Chandar Beam He's the uh, CMO of Kupa Software. We're just going to call him Chandar from now on. He's the Bono of B2B marketing. We've got to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills. We'll be right back with a lot more with Chandar. This is the Sales Pipeline Radio.
0: In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And, amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com. Just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem. And it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z. Marketing.com. .com
1: Cheese <laughs>
0: Come on, we're on top of it here today. Oh,
1: man, you can't you can't talk over that. That is just beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for the custom bumper music to get us back on tack here at Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks very much again for joining us here. If you like what you're hearing today, want to share Shandar's comments with your team, you can find this episode at salespipelineradio.com in just a couple days, and we will have a summary, highlights from our conversation with Shandar from Coupa Software on uh, HeinzMarketing.com. And as we, uh, we've got a few more minutes here, uh, Shandar, I think I'm always curious— of where people's background is and sort of how they get to their position and you know I'm especially curious when you know people start in a very different industry you studied mechanical engineering in college just kind of curious to hear sort of how did you make the move from mechanical engineering into B2B marketing
2: that's a great question you know I you know I think any career is at the intersection of fashion and DNA and you got to be able to figure out where do you have fashion and DNA and the collective combination and you got to be good at both right I have good good passion for music the problem is my DNA as my wife tells me it's not that great so I'm not going to do very well in that. So when I did undergrad mechanical engineering, uh, what I realized when I went through the process is, you know, academically it was good, but I did I really have passion and DNA for that and I realized I don't. So I immediately made a pivot right when I graduated from engineering to business school. Uh, and I always kind of, in early in my life, um, I did, you know, some theater, and I always loved this concept of storytelling. Um, so that was kind of imbibed into my DNA. And as I went through my journey of management consulting, I finally then landed into software marketing, and I felt that this is it. And, and, and that's my calling, and I've been at it for more than 18 years. Um, but it was really starting to understand the intersection of passion and DNA, and I was lucky enough to know early in my career, at least early in my academic career, that I knew that I didn't have it for mechanical engineering.
1: So Shatner, I mean, we've I've known you for a while, uh, and when I talk to people about you that have worked with you, with you for you, uh, you know, they they always speak to sort of the diversity of the things that you're good at and that you can speak to. But to to a to a man, to a woman, they also talk about you as a manager, as a leader, and talk about your people skills. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what it's how, why it's important for marketing and sales leaders to really prioritize their people skills, and what does that mean for you as you think about sort of the org of the future? Right, you know, for 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 koopa for marketing and just for b2b companies in general what's the best way to build and manage that
2: yeah i think you know i mean that is that is the skill set at the end of the day i mean your job is, is the way i've always looked at the job is kind of i'm not managing people but i'm supporting people it's the inverted org chart that we follow at koopa and as a philosophy and i've always felt that ultimately everybody is the ceo of something Right? And it's your job as a manager to make sure that they have a sense of purpose, that they are the CEO of some, whether it's brand marketing, or CEO of product marketing, or CEO of pricing, or CEO of demand gen, or CEO of specific content marketing, or CEO of uh, you know, web marketing, or whatever kind of their function is. They have to feel that they have a sense of purpose to that, and your job is to kind of create that sense of purpose. Your job is to create... Eliminate the hurdles for them to be successful, and your job is to showcase their success across the board so that they have a sense of intrinsic motivation of recognition and, 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 and value that's coming in, in their respective positions. So that's kind of the philosophy that they've adopted and, and really make people kind of drive it as owners of something and you as an enabler of that ownership rather than you trying to be the manager of it. So that's my philosophy, and that's really important because, I mean, you know, when you scale organizations, uh, you know, in a startup, you know, you're all in kind of a small speedboat of, you know, three or four people, and then you can kind of, you know, have this interaction very, very closely. But when you scale an organization, it's very, very important to establish that mindset and that culture early on so that um, that's permeated and promulgated throughout your, your set of leaders across the organization. So that's a philosophy I've had, and I'm very humbled and uh, and appreciative of the fact that uh, it's had some, you know, it it has led to a lot of leaders. In fact, one of the proudest things I am, one of the things I'm most proud of is how many people that I've supported have gone on to become VPs of marketing and CMOs. And Mm -hmm. I'm very very proud of that uh, accomplishment, more than my own accomplishment, to be honest with you.
1: Well, it's, it's impressive to hear you say that, and also, I mean, you're right, there's a lot of people that, uh, that have worked with you for you that have certainly moved on, and your legacy is, uh, has, has, has already been really impressive. Can you talk a little bit, just as a follow-up, you know, I like your philosophy a lot, and I think that there probably aren't a lot of people that would disagree with that, but sometimes the challenge is operationalizing a philosophy like that, right? When you're, if, you're, if you're a CMO by definition, if you're at a company that is big enough to have a CMO— um, you've got a lot of responsibility, you've got a lot of people, you're in a lot of meetings, you've got a lot of things coming at you. How do you how do you find time, and maybe this is just a mindset, how do you prioritize the people? You know, when you're running between meetings and someone needs a couple minutes, you know, how do you practice active listening at that point? How do you prioritize, in, uh, you know, on Tuesday at 2 o'clock, doing what you just said is important? Yeah,
2: it's really, it, it is really, it is not something that, that is, you know, it's not, it is something you practice on and you work on. It's not some natural thing you wake up one morning and do. You know, it, it's really, really important to have that time between, there's, there's kind of three kinds of time I look at, right? There is boss time, there is peer time, and there's employee time. And, and my mental model is I always kind of look at that pie chart and say, is that being normalized? You know, a lot of times, and sometimes if you're spending too much of time with your boss and not enough time with your peers or employees, then obviously that, that's, that boat's not balanced. So that's the mental model that I use on a weekly basis to say that am I normalizing it in such a way that, in fact, I have less of boss time, um, you know, okay and peer time, and then put the pie chart of more of employee time to make sure that I have that allocation available um, to to make them successful. And the second thing also is that, you know, the way I've always looked at it is for any urgent emergency situations, you're always available 24 by 7, Outside of that, if there's a common set of metrics that you and your, you know, people you support agree on, then the conversation becomes around that, okay, I'm either eliminating the hurdle, or I'm moving progress towards this common set of metrics that we agreed upon for success and drive it. And and that seems to work more efficiently than just having, you know, random acts of conversations.
1: Wrapping up here with Shandar, one one name only. He is the Drake of B2B marketing. <laughs> I'm trying to stick in the stay in the music scene. We've got Bono, we've got Drake. I'm not going to go Inyo go, or Adele we're going go to stick with the male group Go Prince What's that? Let's go Prince Prince go oh that's a right. no, that's a great one Shandar Ch- 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 is the Prince of b2b marketing that could have multiple multiple names your royalty and b2b uh appreciate i know go. you're super busy i really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today talk a little bit about this idea of the full brain marketer i was really intrigued by this when you brought this up the other day uh you know we think a lot internally about full funnel marketing and help sort of encouraging marketers to think about the entire funnel not just the top but you know real quickly before we wrap up here what do you mean by full brain marketer what does that mean and how do people think, yeah. think about that
2: yeah it's an interesting thing like you know if you look at the analogy just borrowing from our engineering brethren there's this is concept of a full stack developer that's that's kind of developed unintended over the last few years that historically there was the back-end engineer uh doing back-end and there was the front-end engineer focusing on the front-end aspects of any you know, technology or the ui etc and now they kind of have this concept of a full stack engineer who can go up and down. Get, all aspects of operate, you know, the back-end technology as well as the front-end technology, user interfaces, etc. Kind of boring the same you know, analogy here, the full-brain marketer, I feel that, you know, it's not about having one skill in marketing of art and another skill in marketing of science. It's kind of combination of three skills. It's like, you know, how, do you, how are you always normalizing yourself toward being, towards building both the right and the left brain? And, and the framework I use is that, you know, you need to be a Spielberg to tell stories, uh, you need to have that Einstein-Curry kind of mindset to be data-driven. And then, on the other hand, also that you need to have that Churchill skill set to kind of have great communication and evangelism. So that kind of builds that whole full, full brain as opposed to just having aspects of art of science anew. And the idea is nobody is going to have all these things perfect. But are you developing yourself in such a way that you're building these your capabilities and you're harnessing your skills in all these three areas to kind of be well-rounded as opposed to just aspects of data-driven marketing or just story or brand or, or traditional brand storytelling? I
1: love it. I love it. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. We're going to wrap up, Jenner. So thank you so much for joining us today. The uh, the Prince, the, the the Drake, the Bono. Uh, you're amazing. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks, Matt. Man, it was awesome. Have a great day.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank you very much, uh, everyone, for joining us, listening today as well. We could have covered a lot more ground, but felt like we uh, covered some good topics there, Paul, today on uh, Sales Pipeline Radio. If you want to listen again, definitely check us out at salespipelineradio.com. Past, present, and future episodes all available. Paul, you got something to say there?
0: I just want to point out, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind everyone that outside of your sales skills, you're also known as the Hendrix. Of the ukulele. And uh, we have a little piece of you playing uh, Stairway to Heaven here. I'm just going to end that with it. So people can go to Amazon or whatever and, and feel free to buy your latest uh, ukulele efforts here.
1: Wow. You know what? You never know what you're going to get here on Sales Pipeline Radio. (laughs) Always surprises. uh, Always good conversations. Look forward to joining you next week. We are here every week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks for joining us. For my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week on Sales Pipeline Radio.